Welcome to Textural Anthologies, the podcast series that explores the personal and professional side of creative individuals. My name is Massimo Casagrande, and in the second series, I will be continuing my informal conversations with friends, colleagues, and fellow creatives to discover more about their stories, their journey, what makes them tick, and above all, their creative outlets. Today's creative boundaries are blurred more than ever, and in the second series, we will explore how creativity is influenced and inspired by other disciplines, and how, through developments in technology, social media, and new business strategies, the creative industry is evolving. Enjoy the episode. Our guest today is the second generation of a family-run Italian brand which started in the mid-70s. With him, we discover how the Made in Italy has changed in his past 40 plus years and how he took the company in a new direction and most recently, how he introduced a new business model. We talk about how the brand started in an Italian town, then expanded across Europe and now into Africa where they are becoming a reference point in men's tailoring. And above all, how COVID-19 has brought about changes and how tailoring is adapting to reflect the new normal. I'm happy to welcome today's guest, the curious tailor, Gianmarco Messori. Enjoy the episode. Ciao Gianmarco, how are you? Very good, thank you. What about you? I'm great, thank you. So Marco, thank you for joining us on this episode of Textural Anthologies. We usually talk to all people from the creative industry to find out more about creativity, how the industry is working, and also now post-COVID, what are companies doing to survive and maybe understanding what is the new normal. Yes. Missouri was founded in 1976 by your parents. Exactly. And they started off by making tailored shirts. And then slowly, slowly, I think from the early 80s, they started creating a full range of, of garments uh, for menswear. And the brand has also become a, a fixture for Milan Fashion Week. Pitti, you've also shown in New York. My question is, how has the Made in Italy changed from 1976 until today, especially a family-run company like yours? What a question. <laughs> so, uh, Made in Italy changed because I think that now the quality is even higher than before. All the quality of fabrics and manufacturers have improved since. And that's the reason why I switched the company to another business model. So I think that Made in Italy now, it, how can I say, uh, we need to protect it, absolutely, because many companies are gone. Uh, many family companies are gone. And so what is left, apart from my company, but I, but I mean from, from the uh, I Distretti, let's say, you know, the district of fashion in, in Italy, now are very, very thin. So we need to protect them because there are very few companies left now. Obviously, the company left are at the top level and all the world or the designers of the world want to work with them because the quality is impressive. But still, they are fragile because they are a family company with no financial structure, no uh, 10 years, five years, 10 years mentality. So they, they live a day-to-day -day business. A mom and papa business, as you say. Yeah, as we say, the mom and pop shop. It's quite sad. I think also now with the pandemic, the smaller family-run companies or maybe the ones that are suffering a bit more, I feel, compared to big companies. But if I'm not mistaken... Your company is actually 100% made in Italy because you're using Italian factories, you're producing in-house. So everything is actually local. So it's completely 100% made in Italy, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Since the beginning, uh, it has always been 100% made in Italy. And it's, it's our uh, strength 
uh, it's our first thing that we say to the client is the, is the first marketing strategy that we have is made in Italy. All our clients, they want it. That's why the sad thing is that due to that, we are more interesting abroad than Italy. As you know, being an Italian, the Italian people made in Italy is not always the, the first thing they, they, they ask when they buy something. We don't appreciate it as much, do we? <laughs> you have to move out of Italy to appreciate the made in Italy. Yes, yes. Maybe like the food, you know? You don't realize that you are eating wonderful things in Italy <laughs> since you are abroad. Exactly. You and I, we both studied at the same school, the Istituto Marangoni. And when you graduated, you went to work for your company, but you actually launched a diffusion brand, the, the MJ brand, which was for the younger market. Yes. You became creative director in 2007. And then I think from 2009, you've become in charge of, of the whole company. So that makes you the second generation leading the company now. Exactly. And what you did is you also took the company in a new direction. You transformed the business model. So my question is, what brought you to change the business model? Quality. Because we, as, as, I, as I said before, we have always used the best fabrics, like Loropiana fabrics, always used the best manufacturers in Italy. But until a certain point, I realized that, I mean, you can use like a baby cashmere for your, for your jacket. But still, if you produce this jacket as a pret-a-porter, as a ready-to-wear business, I mean, it's a nonsense. Because you, you are using like gold to produce something that is industry made. So that's why I said to really to do the last step, we need to change it into a, a made-to-measure and bespoke business. It wasn't easy at all because we, are, we weren't ready to do this. We are small, uh, so we weren't ready. I fought a lot to do it. That's what I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> How easy was it to convince them to change? Uh, absolutely not easy. Absolutely not. But crisis helped me. When you have your shoulder on the wall, we say in Italy, then it's easy to make big changes. Crisis in China, uh, in Russia brought us to bring some decisions. And I said, this is the time to, to do it. So I studied made to measure myself because in Marangoni, as you know, the, the pattern making is, is a subject, but it's not the main important subject. So I studied something specific uh, with, with an old tailor, uh, Fernando, that still is in my, in my heart. And uh, he um, explained me all the, the tricks, uh, the curiosity, uh, yeah, everything about the made-to-measure. And I started one client, and then two, then four. And, and this like small branch of the company now is the leading branch of the company. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, we are. I'm very happy, especially because I opened it to uh, international markets uh, like Africa. Exactly. So, you know, this new business model, it's taken the company from Modena all the way to Africa. Exactly. <laughs> You're working with a lot of countries in Africa, focusing a lot on customization and bespoke. And I think that's really interesting because in the last couple of years, Africa is becoming a very, very important market for fashion. How did this happen, this step towards Africa? To be honest, we, we have always worked with Africa. For example, in Nigeria, we have a contact with a client since 1995, I think, like a Pret-a-Porter client. And then the nice story is that one day an Angolan client came to Milan in our showroom asking for buying some suits. So I, I mean, I introduced me and then he bought like 10 or 15 suits from me and then he left. Okay, bye-bye. 
And then I, I, I thought that's strange that somebody comes from distant country like Angola coming here and then buying like in half an hour, 15, 15 suits. So I asked him to come back after a few months and I asked him, what if I come to, to Luanda, to your city? Do you have any contacts? And I remember he said, yes, he was very happy to, to, to invite me in, uh, in Luanda. And I went there for a weekend, and I don't want to say, I don't want to tell you how much money I did in one weekend. <laughs> he helped you put foot in Africa. <laughs> exactly, he. Right, uh, Mr. Reynaldo was, uh, yeah, is number one. From uh, from Angola, I I went to uh, Congo, from Congo to Gabon, and then Mali, Ivory Coast, Ni- Nigeria, obviously. So uh, Africa is a very is an enormous continent obviously but it's a, it's a small world even smaller than our european or american world every ministers every uh, entrepreneurs they they meet often uh, between each other they know each other they like to introduce for example they like to introduce me to their friends and contacts saying i have a, an italian tailor you know do you want to meet my italian tailor it's almost old school through word of mouth, which is great. Yes, only word of mouth, even because it's impossible to, to promote yourself in six, seven, eight countries. I mean, how, how can you do that? Uh, but word of mouth is a small and slow movement, but at the same time, for me, it's enough. I don't need quantity at this stage of my life. How did you find you had to adapt? Or how is maybe the Made in Italy had to adapt because of COVID. And especially in coming with something that's so bespoke like yours, you know, bespoke tailoring customization, do you find that you have to change again a business model, maybe restructure something? How do you feel the situation is is affecting you? To be honest, my business is the only business possible now. Um, because if you have a store in a department store or on the street, then, I mean, in Italy, then you are suffering a lot. And I sadly say that I think that 50% maybe 40% of the uh, the shops will be closed next year. Part of them, I think they it's normal that they they, they close because it's the old generation they, they didn't find the you know the new generation to 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 take it um, but partly because they their product is not suitable now. Um, if you do like low, low part of the market, now you have, you have to compete with Amazon, you have to compete with e-commerce. And so we have to compete with all over the world. So it's impossible to win. It's impossible to win. So the only, uh, shops that can be sustainable, that can be, um, open tomorrow are the shops that are the boutiques that they, they have or high end product, or they have like special products. They need to do research. Many of the of the shopkeepers they 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 don't do research, and they offer the same thing like the their friend next to them. So um, it's it's impossible like this to survive. Um, the made to measure uh, on the other side now is is gaining a lot, a lot a lot of space in the in the market because it's. It's by appointment, first of all. So you don't need many people. You don't need a big space to to have your collection. You can move yourself to the client. So nobody will tell you you can you cannot go to a client. Uh, you see, many many things are favorable to to the made to measure. And luckily, I don't have to change. I changed last time. Now, <laughs> crisis hasn't touched me so much. I love 
what you've been doing during the pandemic. And I, I can't remember if you were doing it before, but like the little videos that you're doing, I think it's great the way you're explaining certain facts, like when you're talking about fabrics, you know, you, you do these video tutorials, which I think are really fantastic. Thank you. And there was one video I loved in particular where the tie becomes the mask. And I love that because you can still be elegant, wear this bespoke tailored suit and the tie becomes a mask. I thought that's really great. <laughs> yes. E-commerce is, is amazing. Everybody's doing it. Amazon has launched the, the luxury side where they're selling big brands. Do you have that on your website? Or you, do, I guess with bespoke, you don't really do online or, or stuff like that. And I guess, like you're saying, the bespoke is an experience that you can't experience online virtually. You have to physically come in to be to be fitted, to feel the fabric. So I think in a way, in this world of augmented reality, virtual reality, it's nice to actually have something traditional. That human contact, which I feel is missing nowadays with all this technology. A simple rule that I that I think to know is that if everybody goes right, you go left. That's that's the simple rule that I'm trying to explain to my kids as well. And then I think that the more e-commerce, augmented reality, virtual uh, grow, the more you need traditional things. Of course. So made to measure. To balance. Yeah, to balance. Everybody needs touching things, needs to, to, to speak with some someone, needs to shake hands, needs to hug, you know? So when everything will be, let's say, everything will be uh, e-commerce, you can buy everything e-commerce, okay, you, you have the, the need, apart from the will, you have the need to go physically some, some, somewhere and have someone in front of you that can tell you something and, and make you feel something. Absolutely, absolutely. You, you mentioned your kids. So are, are you preparing the third generation to take over now? <laughs> they are very young. They are 12 and 9. 12 is here in front of me. But still, they can start. They can start. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to... You can do a nice game of sort of, what fabric is this? <laughs> I do. I do it. I, I do it with my... They, they always... Uh, <laughs> they are always wrong. Always. And no, no, I, I'm trying to do what my parents did with me. They didn't force me at all. I want to be an architect because Gianfranco Ferrer was an architect. So I, I loved him and, and I said, okay, I want to I I do university architecture. Uh, but then we discovered, um, like the last two months, we discovered Marangoni in Milan. So I changed. And I went to Marangoni. The first year was very difficult for me, but then everything was a little bit smoother. But that's nice. Well, it's nice that your parents didn't force you into the company and let... Absolutely. It's something that you naturally felt was right. Yes. No, absolutely. No. So when you created the MJ brand, was that something that you thought about at Marangoni? Was that kind of like, oh, maybe we can do this? Yes. Yes. So the first thing I did when I, when I finished Marangoni was I was still in Marangoni, but... The last, the last year, I designed um, a line of shoes. I was, I was in love really with shoes, men's, men's shoes. And then from the shoes, I, I decided to do the MJ, Messori jeans, uh, simply because I was young and Messori was a little bit classic. So I said, and then it was the time that Dolce Gabbana jeans, Armani jeans, everybody was doing the, 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 the jeans line. Now it's now is like a nightmare, no? 
thinking about jeans like but uh, in the in the 90s yeah it was um, it was the 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 gene, the gene period and i needed it because i was young i was 20 years old i wanted to do young things so i did the mystery jeans and it was pretty successful at the beginning clients needed even if they had like classic boutique they needed something a little bit more fancy or younger for the kids of their clients. Exactly, to complement the wardrobe. Speaking of young kids, millennials, Generation Z, like everybody now is focusing on them. They're an important market. How do you, as something traditional, as bespoke and tailoring, how are you approaching or marketing the Generation Z? Are you finding that young people are interested in, in the tailoring? Is that a demographic you're working with or, or not yet? Very few. I have the impression, and I had the impression with the, the very few clients that I had, that I had that they, they are in love with this kind of traditional thing. So I think that in the future, uh, obviously they have to have the, the means to do a made-to-measure, which is not easy for a millennial. Maybe the, this is the, the reason. But I, I see, thanks through the video as well that you mentioned, that I had many comments, uh, many views from young people, and they, they liked it. Then, I don't know, from liking to buying, is a, there's a distance. But I think that, as I, as I tell you, when there's a huge trend, even the small trends are possible. Absolutely. But I think, I think the videos is the first point of contact because, they, like you said, they're watching the videos, they're liking the videos, they're commenting, so they're becoming aware. And I think it helps them to understand that there's this market. And correct, maybe now they can't afford it because they're still at school. but they can aspire to. They know that, oh, you know what? I actually want to buy a bespoke product when they can. So I think subconsciously you, you, you're planting the seed. It's the inception in their head. The inception, exactly. And I, and I discovered it even with the, with the students of Tulane University, I was telling you before, they are young people and they had to choose from many companies. Companies obviously much bigger than my company in, in other businesses, you know? And Many of them, like they battled, they fought to be part of my company, to do the, the, the project work with my company, with the Sartoria, because they, they were like amazed by the, the chance for them to, to work for a Sartoria, for a bespoke tailoring company. Even, even uh, ladies, not only, not only guys, they were really, really interested in knowing better uh, how can it's possible? Uh, how the fabric you're using? Maybe you could start a tailoring course with the people that you've got in the factory. That you, know, that could be quite nice to teach the younger generation. You know, I always think how are certain skills going to continue in the future, like tailoring or hat making or braiding. You know, there's such traditional things that they've been taken over by machines in some cases. So it's always nice, I think, for certain things to be passed on to the new generations. That could be something you can do, the Missouri School of Tailoring. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why not? One final question. What is next? What do you foresee in the future? With this kind of future, it's not very, very easy to foresee something because uh, really this virus, I don't know how, how will leave us uh, alone. <laughs> but before the, uh, the virus, I had this project in mind to, um, to open in Africa in the biggest cities in Africa, small tailor boutique. Oh, wow. Yeah, over there, over there, it's really, really interesting. It's really interesting. And then we'll see, we'll see. Let's hope the pandemic, everything passes soon so you can continue this new chapter of, of Missouri. 
Gianmarco, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Massimo. And uh, stay safe, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you so much, and I hope to see you. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and I look forward to inviting you next week to our new episode. So stay tuned, stay safe, and speak soon. Bye.